are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. G'day. Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Why do you look at me funny then, Roger? Roger had a little smirk there on was, face. There was a bit of a um, misstep in the tune there. You fucking play the guitar every week. <laughs> well, no, I'm just a, a have a critical ear, but I can't play any instruments. Well, good. Well, we are back in the shed. We're back in the shed a day early. Um, so we'll be out on Wednesday morning. It's this... completely thrown me, John. I know, we're all a bit confused, but it means the weekend was not long ago, so we should remember all the football easier, I guess. Musical ear. <laughs> <laughs> you reckon you got a fat ear. <laughs> um, but we are a weekly podcast by three English blokes who live in Melbourne. Fat head. <laughs> One of them has a fat head and a musical ear. Um, we record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review, subscribe, subscribe, and tell your mates about it. Um, if you want to get in contact, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed. Um, and don't forget to check out our fancy new website, footballshed.com. Um, and every week we start with a question. This week's question is about Burnley, who beat Tottenham at the weekend. Um in goal for Burnley was a man called Tom Heaton, who's done pretty well recently. Can you name the last month in which Tom Heaton lost the game for Burnley? Um, no. Well, that's uh, the question, Jeff. So you've got... uh, then I'll guess October. So we're, we're in... Oh, no, because... Do you want us to say the month and the year, or yes. just the month? Month Something and the year. So we're in February 2019. What was the last month? Well, he hasn't lost since he's come back, and Joe Hart was in goal for most of the first half of this season, so I would say March of last year. What do you reckon, Roger? Well, he was injured for the majority of last year, and Nick Pope was in goal. So I'm going to say... So March 2018 is one season ago. I'm going to go back further... And I am going to say May 2017. May 2017. Did he play at all last year? He did. Ah, bugger. It's August 2017. Oh, wow. That is is incredible. Yeah, that was quite close. But uh, because he's obviously not lost a game since he's come back now. And then, you know, Burnley at the start of last season went on this amazing run. So he was in goal for the whole of that amazing run, and then he got injured, and they lost. It's amazing. He makes a big difference. Obviously, he makes a big difference. He just reeled off a stat that shows how much of a difference he makes. But when you look at the Premier League, and if you if you're a fan of other sports as well, and you wonder why the Premier League is is so exciting, even if you're a fan of other leagues, you look at a, a little trio in isolation, right? So Everton beat Burnley five one. Mm-hmm. Spurs beat Everton six two. Burnley beat Spurs 2-1. Yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's a brilliant little love triangle of joy. But I, I think things have changed since some of those results, though. And I, I don't... You feel like it's career-ending for Joe Hart, but for whatever reason, getting the band back together and putting Tom Heaton in goal yeah. and getting rid of Hart has just galvanised Burnley. And uh, they've been great. So it's now eight or nine games. Nine unbeaten. Nine unbeaten. Really. And the... Um, I kind of feel like I don't want to say I want to say the, like the cream rises to the top, but then I'm using that to talk about Burnley and Newcastle, who are 14th and 15th. <laughs> but I think the only reason that Burnley and Newcastle aren't getting relegated this year is because they both have a very good manager. Yeah, 
in Sean Dyche and Benitez. And both, particularly Dyche, on very, very limited resources, has continually kept Burnley. And I, this year, I started to question it a bit. I was like, well, you know, where are Burnley going to get there? And they're not out of it, but I was sort of like, where are they going to get points from? They were losing lots of games. What They haven't got money to bring players in to change it. What can they do to change things? But he still found a way to... You know, and, and this will keep them up. Do you think Sean Dyche actually is any good? For the last few weeks, every time he talks, I can't stand his gravelly voice. I thought you liked his gravelly voice. No, I got bored of it. Like, I've gone, <laughs> I was, pickle, in, I was so pickle. enjoying Sean Dyche, and now I've got to a point I can't stand him. Is that because everyone else what, jumped on board? No, what I can't stand about him is every interview he does at the end of a game, he talks in a way that he just is telling you exactly how things are and he doesn't listen to anything else that goes on and when it's a decision against him it's like oh yeah it was terrible refereeing terrible refereeing terrible refereeing and then when it goes for him he's like oh we were brilliant we were brilliant we were brilliant and it's just really bland and he doesn't give anything honest he doesn't tell you, you anything more honest no, yeah. okay so so I get that I'll take that on board and I think that the problem with Sean Dyche I have a similar set of issues, but I think they are more indicative of the fact that we don't really let footballers talk, right? Yeah. And that's good yeah. because because <laughs> lots of them, when they do, it goes wrong. Are just either not very good at it, idiots, yeah. horrible people, people you would ignore in the street, rightly yeah. so. Like they just, just you know, yeah. we they play, they they have an incredible skill set, which is not talking, like putting brain to mouth, yeah. right? No. Now, Sean Dyche has an incredible knack of communicating with these people. <laughs> and that's a, that's a really good thing. Yes. However, we let Sean Dyche talk all the time. So we have to listen to the, to the man who is the football whisperer. Yes. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I don't think, unlike when you listen to, to managers like Pochettino or listen to managers who you feel like have, they have something behind them. Like Klopp's a great yeah. example. Klopp has kind of philosophical concepts going around in his mind, and he can relate to footballers because of his intellect. Like he can he can make himself the opposing character in a conversation. Sean Dyche just is the opposing character in a conversation. Yeah. And I like when I, when I decided that he's not got like he's not got much seeds in his mustard. Was when he <laughs> was when he said I was talking about oh, so what Burnley what they lost this year. Like what's different about it this year when they were really poorly he goes, you know, I just think we've lost the eye of the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. You, you, so you're going to go to the dressing room at time going, right, lads, yeah. what we need to do is is we need to get the eye of the tiger back. Anyone got the eye of the tiger? Someone get on bring, the phone bring, to Tony. Bring the eye of the tiger back. Well, talking of footballing, whispering managers, I feel like we need to talk about Maurizio Sarri because he did not whisper, but he shouted at his keeper um, in the League Cup final. So, Kepa, I'm going to call him Kepa because I can't say his surname, refused to go off at the end of the um, game and it was going into penalties and they were going to bring on um, Caballero to save the penalties. He refused to go off and then Sari had a fit and got really angry, was about to storm off and didn't and they lost. Was Kepper in the wrong? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. The, the, the nonsense spin that was put on this afterwards was a PR operation. The, the, he was being a petulant 24-year-old kid who has no respect for his boss and the boss was being a, you know, 
elaborating with his hands Italian man that yeah. had no respect for everyone around. Like the whole thing was a complete disaster. No, I, I don't see how Chelsea can come back from this because it's such an undermining of authority and such a just like, no, fuck you. I just don't want to come off. I don't want to do anything. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. You can't do that. Like, you can't do that as a professional in any profession. So you don't read anything into the fact that he thought he was being told to come off be- because he was injured? No. Because uh, he was. No. You, you, you think that's all just spit? It's bollocks. Complete yeah. nonsense. Or else, if you... Okay, so if you're my boss, Rog, and you tell me to do something, and I and I have a... a, a of upstanding reason why that shouldn't be the case. I'll come over to you and tell you, "No, no, you're you're wrong. I'm not injured. I'm gonna go back. To it. I'm not injured. I can I can play on you." Go. Oh, sorry. I thought you were injured. Okay, off you off you chore. You wouldn't just fucking shout at me from yeah. thirty yards and have me shout and wiggle my arms back and then have everyone Zola come out and start shouting and then David Louise go over and is going, "Oh, you should get off." And he's going, "Nah, fuck him." Yeah. Like the whole thing. There is no way the story is a representation of what actually happened and what was seen by everybody. Yeah. And the fact that they've come out and apologised and said it's a misunderstanding, but then find him. So you don't you don't say, oh, it's just a misunderstanding, and then find him in a week's wages. But then the fine was such a token gesture thing with yeah. it only being a week's wages. And yeah. I, I think there's, there's other things here as well, in that even if um, he wasn't injured... Willie Caballero has a brilliant record at saving penalties. Yeah. So Sarri is completely within his rights as a manager to bring on a keeper who is a specialist at saving penalties for a penalty shootout. And an ex-Man City player. And an ex-Man City yeah, player. So he knows. Players, yeah. So to me, that you know, maybe it's a tactical decision. And then I think the other thing is the Chelsea players did not intervene strongly. Like, no. you know, where David Luiz went over, but where is the club captain? Yeah. Like, where was Azpilicueta? Like, it just yeah, wasn't he didn't there. do anything. I just, I just, I, you know, we talked about something similar a bit earlier in the season when Kamara took oh, um, the Fulham, Fulham guy um, took the ball off Mitrovic and wanted to take the penalty and then missed. Yeah, um, he has now left the club and yeah. is not going to come back. He's been sent out on loan, but you don't imagine he's ever going to play again. The difficulty for Chelsea here is that this player is a £70 million keeper, <laughs> yeah. not Kamara. He's the most expensive goalkeeper most in the world. The most expensive goalkeeper in the world. So what do you do? Like yeah. it's, I mean, I agree. I, I, um, I mean, I was just saying that I was supposed to play devil's advocate, but I, I agree. I think Sarri's authority was completely, completely undermined, not just by Kepa, but by the majority of the team in that they didn't, um, you know, jump. He should have been dragged up. And also the referee. Fuck, even the referee was against Sarri because the referee should have gone, your number's up, piss off. It's the rule, isn't it? Like, it's the rule, yeah. Once it's gone up, that's final decision. Mm. But the ref... So the ref didn't help at all. And I just... I mean, I don't know. I agree with John. I I don't know if he can come back from it. I think, like, for Sarri, he's done because he's obviously lost authority because now, if next week Hazard is asked to come off, he's like, nah, I don't want him. Like you set a precedent of what can happen and it's not going to happen every week but it just shows it's the like you can guess by watching a team that they've lost respect for the manager you can guess they've down tools and stuff but you never really see it and no one just puts their hands up and goes I don't like this guy anymore they kind of get on with it professionally and behind closed doors they might talk about whatever but that was a public showing of I don't care what you think. In a We're, cup final. Yeah. A few things. So, companies, Vincent Company's interview afterwards, you, do you see that? No. So, he came out and said, oh, when we saw Caballero, 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 Caballero yeah. uh, warming up 
we didn't want to see him on the pitch because we know he's really good at. So he goes, oh well, we're we're happy he didn't want to come off. Mm. Um, and then he said, I wish I could just say no every time they wanted to sub me off. I play every game. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's the attitude, like because obviously from the players on the pitch, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. And when you look at uh, so Kepper came out today with an apology, right? Mm. Did you read it? No, I haven't read it. Read the transcript. If this is a miscommunication about someone having cramp or not having cramp, there is no way the remorse that boy is oozing in his press release is... It's coming from this area of, oh my God, I'm going to be judged for life for really making a mistake. Which, of course, he will be. Yeah. And so there's there's absolutely no way that the press release is, is anywhere near reality. The kid made a absolute statement about the state of the club. And so if you... If, ignore the fact that it's Chelsea. Put that situation in the majority of football clubs around the world. Not just would they have respect for the manager, and the manager just wouldn't stop. The fact that Sarri let it happen. I mean, you, you'd walk on and grab him by the neck and pull him off yourself. But other players, imagine if that happened in Watford. Troy Deeney would come over, kick you in the nuts and drag you off. Yeah, you go, yeah. I don't care what you're saying. You've yeah. been subbed off and these are the rules of football. The only time that I have... A memory of it kind of happening was when Tevez refused to come on for Man City. Do you remember that? Yeah. And uh, Man- was it Mancini was manager at the time? And it's like a Europe game, European game, and he refused to come on and said, "I'm not ready." Or refused to even warm up. Was yes. it Europa League or something? Yeah, like that, so it I wasn't think. a big, yeah. big game. But then Mancini obviously just didn't play him after that and find him and complete and showed his authority by going, "No, you're out." So Sarri has to do that, but because he doesn't have the backing of the dressing room. Or the hierarchy, he can't really. So he's just got nowhere to go. What, what do we say about Chelsea players now? This is three managers in a row they've essentially down tools for. Is there a problem in particular at Chelsea? I, I this is completely off the top of my head, and there is no factual grounding to this at all. Great, John. So go. it's a John Hewitt fact. <laughs> John, so it's a, yes, it's very much my own fact. Um, I think it's Hazard's fault. I think Hazard has a huge amount of authority in that changing room and he also has a bit of a laissez-faire attitude to life and everything which is great like he doesn't um, ever get too stressed by anything he's very like his penalty in the shootout was a little Penenko thing yeah. yeah which is incredible which means he's so good because he doesn't get stressed out by things but because he's the leader and he's the main man and because he's like oh, I don't really want to be here I kind of want to play somewhere else and stuff I think if his attitude changes, the whole squad changes. And I think he's the the leader without being an authoritative leader. Everyone just copies what he does. Well, when they won... I think there's something in that. I mean, when they won the league last, he was incredible. Mm. Like he won, did he win player of the season? Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, and so I just think that when he turns it on, he's one of the best players in the world. But there's too often when he doesn't. And then, I mean, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll see what happens if he does go to Madrid, and maybe he can kick on. But yeah, I think there's something but, in that. Job. No, the whole thing is a catastrophic disaster, and yeah. because this isn't an isolated incident. So, so this is, well, I say it's. I mean, this is an isolated incident, but it's not held in isolation. What's going on at Chelsea with Sarri's position before this happened? Sarri's position before the transfer ban. We'll talk about that, I guess. The the fact that they've been banned from transferring players for the next two transfer windows. Mm-hmm. That this isn't uh, unique. I mean, it's very unique. But this isn't isol- in isolation. This this is part of a package of disaster that's happened in the last week of Chelsea Football Club. I wouldn't say it's even a week. Appointing Sarri 
without a clear plan, having no director of football halfway through the season. Like I think there's a, you know, there's a few things there that haven't. Quite but on gone the right. day, Chelsea actually played okay. Like, and they, they, what a shame because they, they did so much better than they did in the league they they nullified Manchester City they pressured in the right points they they pushed up when they needed to push up they played a good game of football and that was Sarri setting up that, them tactically to play differently to what they did before um, Loftus-Cheek did the greatest turn of all time oh <laughs> so good like, it's worth watching the game just for that alone I think yeah. he's, um, he probably didn't do anything else but if he just does that turn that's amazing but they were set up and they did everything that they were meant to do to win that game and then in that two seconds at the end where the keeper refuses to go off he's lost the cup for them if we're sat here and they've won the penalty shootout and Cavalera's come on and saved penalties no one's talking about that. And Sarri still would leave at the end of the season. But right? we're hailing him as a genius because he brought on Caballero to yes. save penalties. And... Just like Tim Krul in the in the World Cup. You remember that? Yeah. For, for Holland, it would be the same thing. You bring on a keeper who's better at that particular task. Yeah. So, right, we had predicted that Sarri would get his walking orders two weeks ago in the sheds. We yeah. thought it would happen by now. Yeah. Do you think it is more or less likely now, given the current situation, than not? And someone asked us this on Facebook. Yeah. I gave my instant reaction, but then actually now, the more I mull it over, the... The, the more I'm, I'm undecided. What was your instant reaction? Well, um, what was the, the bloke's called Chris yeah. Chris on Facebook asked us, well, you know, do you think this will hasten his, his sacking? My instant reaction is, is no. I actually think that he'll last longer because the, so the, the logic is who, they've got Sarri and Sarri's a good manager. Mm. Got to say, like no matter what's going on right now, Sarri is a good manager. Yeah. He's not a, he's not a PE teacher who they promoted. Yeah. He's, he's a good <laughs> he's a good football manager. They've got him. He's there to have the transfer ban means who is going to go into that club and and without the ability to start from scratch, without the ability to spend money, knowing that the players have revolted three times. So, so you can't do a clean sweep. You can't spend the cash. Actually, that. They've got a better manager than they can attract in their current situation. So I think that the hierarchy at Chelsea will actually have a very different opinion than they had two weeks ago on what they've got and, and having the grass actually is greener with what you've already got. The other thing about Chelsea's system right now is they've got 40-odd players out on loan that they can recall. Yeah. So as far as any club to get mm. a transfer ban, they can, they can call back players that are playing at... AC Milan, Dortmund, other Premier League sides. They can they can get Bakayoko uh, back from Milan. They can get Batshuayi back from Crystal Palace. They can get Zuma back from Everton. They, yeah. they, they can replenish their squad with players that are good enough to play in the same league that they're playing in. So, and Sarri knows those players. But if you're a Zidane who's been mm-hmm. muted for it, or even if you're a Zola to take over the job. What are you going to do? Is that an attractive position for you, or are you, are you putting a scar against your name do you think as a it manager? Would stick though, the transfer ban. Like, they've already announced they're going to appeal it, and they'll appeal, which will take them long enough past the next summer transfer window. So they'll get at least one. They'll get the next one because they'll appeal, and that takes six months to go through. So that will give them the next window in the knowledge that they're banned for probably one or two afterwards, and then you can just spend loads in one year. The thing is, they did it. What they're being accused of, they did. Mm. I mean, I wasn't. I'm not. I wasn't there. But, but when you when you when you read it, the they genuinely have evidence that this has happened on 19 different occasions. Yeah, they, they 29. were 29 different occasions, and how many were they tried for? About 85. And yet, on 29 occasions, they went. Well, actually, we have the evidence to prove that you broke the rules on all of these occasions. Yeah. Now they're not going to do that. It's a FIFA. I mean, FIFA are not big on on punishing corruption. 
Yeah. Especially <laughs> that's, a, that's an understatement of the year. And FIFA are not big on punishing corruption when it has anything to do with Russia being involved. Like they're yeah. they're they're pretty cool with corrupt yeah. Russians. That's fine. So for them to even like have twenty nine of these charges stick, they've got to really stick. They've, yeah. they they've got to be Vegemite on wallpaper. Yeah. Like so 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 they did it. So yeah, they can appeal. They can get themselves another transfer window. But I think they're best keeping Sarri now. I do. I think. Yes, but I think he has lost the changing room and you need to get 15 other players in that believe in him and he's not going to get the time to do that. So he'll go. But then I don't know who they get in to replace. Like, it's- I just don't... I, it's so short-sighted. Like, I can't believe that you... I, I keep banging on about it, but why do you appoint a manager like Sarri if you haven't planned for it? No. But there's no planning. But we've, we've got to move on. Man City actually won the cup. <laughs> oh, we don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but they've only got to win 20 more games. And then they win everything. And then they win everything in the world ever. Yeah. It's not one, many, One it? down of the quadruple. Um, do you reckon they can do the quadruple? No. no. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, no, no, it was interesting because I didn't until this weekend. Um, and Liverpool drew at Man United. And a choking... And he suddenly, Spurs choked as well, they lost. And he suddenly go, oh, Man City. I could think, see them doing the domestic treble. And then Champions League, who knows? They're through to the quarterfinals. They'll beat Schalke. There is no way Manchester City will win the Champions League. Yeah, I don't think they'll win the Champions really? League. Really? Yeah. No, I think they can do it. If they avoid Atletico Madrid or Juventus, whoever wins that tie, and they get through to the final and they Barcelona? Play, they'll beat Barcelona. Because they'll beat any team that plays attacking football because they're better at it than everyone. So, is it, but they haven't got Messi. No, but uh, I just think they can beat anyone. Well, I don't know. But Monaco beat them, didn't they? Monaco were, were were very attacking. Yeah, but this team has lost in the Champions League a lot, and it's lost at various different stages. It's only got to the semi-finals is the furthest it's ever got, and it's everything the club wants. Like they, so they can almost do the FA Cup and the league without really thinking about it because they know how to do that. And they can focus completely on Champions League. But that is the fundamental problem. So when you're, you're, what you're doing is you're adding emotion to robots. They can win the Carabao Cup. They can win the FA Cup. And the Premier League, they know what to do. They just go and go and go and go. But what they really want is the Champions League. Mm. And what they want is an emotional reaction. You know? Yeah, true. And where they make mistakes is when the, the, you know, the robot devolves and they become humans again. And, and when they go a goal down in, in a home tie in the Champions League, is when they, they start not doing what they're meant to be doing. Well, that's what happened last year, is the emotions got better of Pep, and he got sent off, didn't he, at half-time in the yeah. Man City-Liverpool, I can't remember if it was the first or second leg. Second leg. Um, but then he was in the stands, and obviously once you rip out the battery of the robots they've screwed the, yeah. the factory controller yeah. and, and, and they will panic I, I just don't think uh, you know, I think you highlighted exactly right it's, it's what's everything is set up for them to get that European glory but there's a but here I, I think their result was massive coming you know it, it had all gone a bit wrong and they were losing 2-1 mm. um, to, two to pen- Schalke to, to Schalke two penalties and then two late goals. Sane's free kick was amazing, by the way. Um, mm. I, I I think that they needed a result like that. I think that they will actually take a lot from that result because this has historically been when they usually go out and something goes wrong and we don't expect it and they lose. But I think to then, you know, get past that, I think they'll they'll count for Schalke in the second leg, and I think they'll 
they'll take a lot from that. And I, they'll take some beating, but I don't know. You've got to beat Madrid first. You've got to prize it away from Ramos. And, and that's the thing. It's not emotional for Real Madrid. It's just yeah. another day at the office. Yeah. And Real Madrid, will they won't play an attacking, expansive football against Manchester City if they happen to get drawn together. They wouldn't do that against Man City. They'd play like Atletico. Yeah. They'd, they'd play like a cross between Atletico Madrid and Leicester, or at least Leicester when they were... And that's how you beat Man City if you're good enough at the back which obviously Madrid are. Sergio Ramos knows how to win the Champions League. Yeah. He knows he knows how to win everything. We don't like it, but he's very good at it. Yeah, true. Um, let's move on to the Premier League then. So Liverpool drew nil-nil with Man United. Um, wasn't the most exciting game in the world, but was fascinating to watch. Man United had three injuries in the first half, so they had all used all their subs. Stupidly, they put on Jesse Lingard as a sub. This was a Ole Gunnar Solskjaer era, I think. He put Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on, uh, no, Jesse Lingard on, um, as a sub. But he was unsure, like even in the warm-up, they could see that he was a bit sore, wasn't sure whether he was going to be okay. Comes on for 20 minutes and then has to go off anyway, which I thought was a bit dumb. They should have brought Alexis Sanchez off. Um, but I thought Man United defended really well um, and got through the game. But Liverpool just ran out of ideas. They completely lost any kind of momentum and drive to actually find a goal anywhere. They needed a Coutinho or a number 10 with a bit of creativity. Bring on Shakiri a bit earlier, maybe. I thought yeah. he, they improved a bit. He, he had a spell this year when he looked really good playing centrally. Um, but he sort of dropped off a bit. And if, I mean, I don't know. I've read lots in the in the press in the week about that, how the front three have um, you know, lost their understanding a bit and things aren't quite going and you know maybe they're getting a bit nervous like do do you read anything into that like there's been a lot of talk about Salah all year but as a as a three do you think that some of their interplays dropped off a bit I think it has a little bit but I don't think uh it's massively their fault it's Klopp's playing a more defensive formation so he's making sure they don't concede goals they don't have any midfield runners going beyond them anymore. So what used to, if you watched yeah. um, Liverpool last year, you'd have Oxley Chamberlain run past the strikers, or it might be James Milner and or Winal Dublin or whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but you'd have the three. But because they'd have people overlapping or running through them, it gave them another option. Whereas now the ball's coming to them, but they've got no one running past them, so they have to come up with the idea and that that's they're reactionary players they're players who can play around corners and do little one-twos yeah. you're, you're, you're exactly right and the those overlaps are now coming from the wing backs mm. so but then from, on, from, Alexander Arnold didn't play which I thought was really odd because mm. we talked about that in terms of Salah looking better when he's got Alexander Arnold playing rather than Milner because he's got someone that can go past him. Yeah, think that was a bit weird. That he I think it's just not fully match fit. Yeah, yeah. but this this season the the wing backs are adding the overlap by doing that. It's dropping um, Firmino into a more into a deeper midfield position because because essentially if both wing backs are overlapping, you're playing with five men up front. Yeah, and that that can't work. So so you. When we talk about the front three being less effective, we're actually seeing a, a kind of reverse triangle at the top instead of a four-three-three front front three, mm. and it's because different players are overlapping, so you have to make amends for that. And then no one in the midfield has scored a lot of goals for Liverpool, so I was going to talk about goal scoring midfielders because Liverpool don't actually have any. Like Milner's got four or five, but he's scored penalties. Wijnaldum has scored one or two, one amazing goal, um, but. 
Kaito hasn't scored but a goal I think that's yet. why they picked up Kaito, because they thought he was going to be that yeah. that man to be able to run at players a bit more and score goals. Shakiri has. He's played He's centrally. got a few. Yeah. Um, but Oxlade-Chamberlain, I think, has been a big miss for them, because he's the guy that bombs on. They don't have a ball-playing midfielder who picks up the ball and runs at the defence and goes, I've got the ball, I'm going to take it 30 yards with me. A Pogba type who draws in defenders. The players get the ball and then they give it to the forwards. But we saw Kaiser doing that in Germany. Yeah, um, and I think... It just hasn't quite happened. Yeah, know. it hasn't quite happened yet. But I just think that's why Liverpool right now haven't got quite right in the last few weeks. So, But if I was Klopp right now, I'd go, you know what? This is It's now or never. So forget what's gone previously. Still top by a point. Still top by a point. We've got eight, uh, 11 games left in the league. We just go gung-ho, like just go for it. Because if they go for it and play like they did at the end of last season for six weeks, they've won it, they've won the league. Yeah. So just do it. Do you know, it's um, when you when you look at how they distribute their goals, the amount of times in the last few years that it's been a Oxlade-Chamberlain or a Sturridge that has come on that scored a goal in the last 10 minutes of the game and it's actually it's it's spread out the responsibility. And since Christmas, at least... I've not seen that responsibility spread out. And even in the first half of the season, it happened, didn't it? So Klopp made quite adventurous substitutions. Mm. He'd bring off a front, one of the traditional front three and bring on a Sturridge. Mm. And Sturridge would score a goal from 40 yards. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, he scored one, one and, goal. And, um, yeah. and Oxley chamberlain would do the same thing last year. They'd win 1-0 and Chamberlain would score from 35 yards. That's just not been a feature of their play. And to be a title winner... You have to have that as a feature of your play. The, the the best title winners we know had had a Frank Lampard who would yeah, do that, or, or a Paul Scholes, yeah. or or a Steven Gerrard. I mean, not yeah. title winners, but yeah. when you have an all round play, that you have to distribute the goals like that. You can't just rely on on your front players to do the job. And it's a different type of goals as well, because no one in that midfield for Liverpool is going to hit it from forty five yards or thirty yards or whatever and score in the top corner. So if it's a defence, you know that. Milner's got the ball, he's not going to shoot. Fabinho's got the ball, he's not going to shoot. So you don't have to close them down. You can allow them to have it and you know they're going to give it into the forward guys. So you've kind of just going, oh, they don't have to worry about shots from distance. Shakiri can do that, but he's just, he's gone off the boil. So I think they're missing that one bit. Yeah, at the moment. you um saying that they should just go for it. They should no. just, you know, flick the switch and just go. go, go just go attack. Yeah. Does. The fact that they they've been here before re- in recent history in terms of you know looking like they're a chance for the title and then things all go wrong and then the fact that they haven't won it for such a long time does that start to weigh heavier every game and then I think your natural inclination as players in that environment is probably to go back into your shell more and if, you know if you go one nil up try and defend what you've got so I think. It's Klopp's job to try and do that. I think it'd be great if they did that as much as anything just because it would be complete... No one expects them to do that. Mm. be completely different. And they've had success this year not doing that. Yeah. But I just wonder... I, that would be a very, very bold move by Klopp to suddenly get, get them to play. Like but they've that. got the hardest game they've got left out of the way. So where True. Man United... They've got a point, like They should have got more than a point probably because of the injuries to Man United. But they've got a point. And City still have to... City still have to play Manu. Still have to play Man United. The other thing with it is as well, I think it again highlighted for me the difference with Liverpool this year having more top line players. Allison 
didn't have much to do the entire game had one save that he had to make and he did it perfectly it was such a good when, save when, that little hand from yeah Lukaku's ball through was brilliant I thought mm. it was Pogba when I yeah. saw it because I was like no way Lukaku can <laughs> pick a disguised pass like that it was absolutely brilliant on his left yeah. foot and then I was like that that's the moment where there's going to be the goal but Alisson comes up with a save which he's done a few times this year and I think maybe that's the difference maybe that's why they win the league but uh, look, without wanting to sound like a miserable bastard, uh, they're not going to win the league. No, I'm <laughs> going to talk about Lukaku's ball here. Like, oh, yeah. I, I feel like if it was Sergio Aguero, there is absolutely no way he would have played a pass. He would have shot, spanked it, in and corner. Lukaku had every opportunity in that position to just hit it as hard as hard as he could. And the best strikers in Premier League history, there is no way they would have threaded that ball. Yes, it was delightful. Yeah. Lovely to see. Go back and watch the replay. He had two, three seconds to put his head up and put it in the top corner. And and you, if you're going to play centre forward for Manchester United and you get the ball in the area, centralised, without the pressure of a player down your throat, you take a shot. It wasn't in the area. It was just, yeah. I, just on the edge. You, you take a shot. I disagree a bit because the best strikers in the world... Yes, they're greedy, and they should be greedy. But also, if there's a person in a better position, like he had, he was free, but he had two or three defenders and a forward on his side running through, and the keeper to beat. Whereas he was putting Lingard into a position where he's got only the keeper to beat. So you've removed I just, three defenders. No, I, I, I disagree. I agree every other area on the pitch, but I disagree for a centre forward. Yeah. Uh, I think I go back to Shearer and Owen playing for England, yeah. and and they had a rule. That if you get it on target, all is forgiven. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much of a selfish bastard you're being, yeah. as long as it goes within the parameters of in the goal mouth, yeah. then then you then great. You can't yell at anyone. If you miss, yeah. then, you then yeah. it's not your turn next time. Yeah. Shearer <laughs> did not know how to pass in that position. No way. But that's the thing. And, and so if you're going to be a great goal scorer, I look at that move by Lukaku and go, great, great team player, excellent ball, succulent to watch. If it went in, we'd all be just you know, yeah spanking our monkey on it but I, I just think that when you're a centre forward for Manchester United the only thing in your mind in that position should be to shoot and I think Solskjaer should be telling him that yeah okay yeah no, that's fair enough um, we should move on um, to some other strikers that were back Harry Kane was back and scored a goal um, great goal oh, I'm God. sorry how did that even work so Harry, Spurs <laughs> choked uh, as like right now, there should be three points off the top. Did they choke? Yes. Or are uh, we said Burnley are in form? But that's a difficult game at the moment. It is Burnley a very away. difficult game. But if you're going to win the league, you've got to win that game. Yes. But choked. Harry, watching Harry Kane play, I still think he's actually a bit poo. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it and like, it doesn't run. Like he doesn't actually make any. Charges the sprint. It's like in slow motion. Everything he does is in slow motion, and now that's purely down because of his confidence and quality. And also, I think he's created a fear around him, so people kind of stand off him. But he never charges. Anyway, he looks so easy and slow, and I can't work out if that's because he's genius or he's a bit crap. I I I hate to disagree with you because I think he's a bit crap too, but. I think there is genius in there. We've been <laughs> yeah. saying it for a long time. I don't think you can do it for four years and it'd be lucky. Yeah. But right. you see, you see, the, you see the shot he had that was saved? Yeah, and that, I love it because that was so languid. It was like he barely, like, like no back lift. Like, he was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll have a shot I'll here. Have a shot. And then I was 35 like, yards out, I'll give it a crack. I watched it a few times. I was like, 
actually, that was a really good save. But initially, I thought the keeper was showboating because I'm like, well, he hasn't really hit that very hard, has he? But then you watch it again, you're like, he's spanked he <laughs> it. And his goal, so I've watched it three or four times. I still don't understand how he got what foot he got to it. The control at what pace, to, like... to bring it, like to to sort of bring it under control initially. It's kind of like it got caught up in his body, yeah, yeah. the ball, like and it, and it, it just, just, just released it, itself. He, he took it with him, and I'm like, wait a minute, did he just carry that? Yeah. Like, how did he do yeah, that? it's outrageous. Yeah. That's the thing is, he does the unexpected. I'm not sure because he expects it, but he can react quick enough to 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 influence the situation he finds himself in, and he doesn't panic. So in the situation where... So he got on his goal, he gets through somehow, but then at that point he doesn't go, oh, I'm here, oh, shit, I've got to kick it really hard. He's just like, oh, I'll just place it in the bottom corner then, won't I? Great but with the it. outside of whichever foot happens to be closest. Yes, yeah, it's just whatever scenario he's in, he just doesn't panic. So what are Spurs six points off now? Do you think they're gone? Very Spursy result, that. Very Spursy. Spursy. I'm not going to say they're gone because... It's not much, six th- points. Six points is not much at all. But it is... Just if I was a Spurs fan, I would just be so frustrated because every time you get to that point where you go, Oh, if they win this, and you know Liverpool playing Man United, Man City haven't got a game, puts all the pressure on it's only three points, and that's really you're really in it at three points, like that's super close. I lost to Burnley, like it's just yeah, it was a shit result, always gonna happen. Um, and I don't know if I can see Man City losing another two games. Man City have lost four games already, and Liverpool have only lost one. I don't know if I do, you know, I just. Yeah, I, I just don't I can see it Man United beating Man City, but I think that's the only place they can see them lose. I think they'll points. beat them in the FA Cup final. Oh, yeah, quite possible. Um, let's move on to Leicester because Claude Puyal has left, and breaking news on the shed Brendan Rodgers, about 15 minutes before we started recording, has quit at Celtic. So it looks like Brendan Rodgers is going to take over at Celtic. Quit end of year or quit right now? Quit, quit right, right now. now. He has quit. He's just wow. come out and said, I am quitting Celtic right now, which. There can't be any other reason for him to go to no. Leicester. Do you think that's a good appointment by Leicester to take Brendan Rodgers? No. Why not? Um, now it's breaking news, so I've not I've not gathered my thoughts on this. <laughs> but the way Brendan Rodgers, so if you don't remember when Brendan Rodgers was Liverpool manager and when Brendan Rodgers managed other clubs, he, that when he was Swansea manager, he plays a very. Um, uh, he is a very stylized form of football, and everywhere he plays, he plays the same type of football. That is not the type of football that Leicester have seen success with. And when Puel was hired, he was hired with the remit to change the way Leicester played football. You know, to turn them into a a more attractive or more flowing form of football. Mm. Now, what you've seen is that the games Leicester have been really good in the games against the sides that are probably better than Leicester. Now, we spoke after the Spurs game, didn't we, that you know they played much better than they would have expected during Spurs. They beat Manchester City. Didn't they beat Chelsea as well in that, in yeah. that same run? Yeah. And now, that's because they were forced to play the way Leicester used to play. They were forced to play against attacking sides defensively, counter-attacking with players who were part of this kind of this ethos and this, this this DNA of what it is to to play the Leicester way that everyone loved, everyone enjoyed. So Puel, when he had the freedom to play the way he wanted to play against some of the lower sides, the the team didn't gel, the team didn't work. Now, I actually think that they probably shouldn't have sacked him because their their performances are much better than their results. 
But I'll put that to one side for a minute. But it's the question now was, um, eight, in eight games without a, a win. I yeah, think, but just... when you dissect those results, as I said, the performances are so much better. Now, and of, individual mistakes have been made. I, I don't want to don't bang on about the last eight results because the question's about Brendan Rodgers. I don't think that Brendan Rodgers plays a type of football that won't just cause another mutiny amongst these ever these sorry these these Leicester players. Do you think though? Because the, the Leicester squad, if you look at it, has got a real mix of the guys that won the league with them three or four years ago, and then a bunch of young guys and a lot of really good young guys. And a lot there. of those players have gone, like the yes. corner, you know, Danny Drinkwaters. You'd say that the like the cornerstones of that title-winning team was the defence. Most of them are still there. Um, And then you'd say it was Kante and Danny Drinkwater midfield, Maras and Vardy. That was essentially the core of their team that won the league. Now, apart from the defence, all the rest are gone. And from the defence, Wes Morgan's the only one that actually plays. And you've got Johnny Evans and Harry Maguire centre-back. So, you know, Wes Morgan's old now. Jamie Vardy's pretty old now. Um, You've got Harvey Barnes. You've got... um, James Madison, you've got Damari Gray, who are all 21 or under and good. Ian Acho's there. And Didi's only 22, centre midfielder, who's really good. Like, there's a lot of good young players. Yeah, I, I think it's an attractive they... job at Leicester. Like, I, yeah. I think they've got some, some great young players. When you named those players just then, the thing that they have in common, apart from playing for Leicester in the Premier League, is they're all fucking quick. Yeah. That they've recruited youth brilliantly. Don't get me wrong. The the way that they've they've recruited the young players and put faith in them, I think that the future is bright for Leicester as long as they they don't screw it up in the short term. But those players are quick, and those centre backs are not ball playing centre backs. So they are in the perfect position with their replenishment to continue to play the Leicester way. I don't know if I completely agree because I think they have tried to change some of that this year with Puel coming in and some of their signings, like. Um, someone like Madison that doesn't fit with that. You can't have someone like Madison playing in that system, you know, as a more traditional number 10 that likes to get on the ball. He's not that quick. Um, and I, you've seen them trying to change the way they play. I think, I just, I think Puel is, it's really unfortunate. We talked about it earlier in the year. I think it's almost his personality that does for him. Mm. Like I think he's actually a good coach. And I think some of the football we've seen Leicester play has started to evolve from the um, you know, the Ranieri model when they won the league. But he just I don't know, he doesn't seem to have a smile on his face. It just he just doesn't quite have the charisma to be able no. to carry carry it off. And... Did you hear the interview of Robert Hooth? So Robert did, yeah, got interviewed, who played for them in that championship winning side as a centre back and was released this year by them, having been there last year under Poyal. And he basically said it was just hard work going to work. It was just miserable yeah, okay. and it wasn't fun. And he said a lot of those players there will be really happy that he's gone. Um, I'm going to put all the blame on one person again, like <laughs> Chelsea and Hazard. But I think Vardy has too much power at Leicester. And I actually think Vardy has built for one way of playing football. And there's a reason he didn't go to Arsenal, because he knows he cannot play in that Arsenal side. He, there was, the deal was done, and he went, no, I want to stay at Leicester. Leicester is built around Jamie Vardy getting the best out of Jamie Vardy. And he's made, he's done incredibly well, and I think he's had a great career. But also, I think Leicester, to move on, have to get rid of Jamie Vardy. And not because he's passed it, or because he's 
crap or anything, but because he plays in one style and his one style is be the last man. It's like what Jeff said. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if you don't, and Vardy is the epitome of that. Like, I think everyone else can adapt. Vardy's not good enough to adapt. So Vardy has to go for them to actually move on. I just, I think that we can judge Puel on being a dour, you know, negative guy, I guess, as a human being. But as a football coach, as a manager, I think he's much more talented than we give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I remember, have you ever heard of the stories of being in James Brown's band? You know no. James, James Brown? Yeah. Get up up that thing. Yeah. yeah, James Brown. Um, it, it's the worst job in the world being in James Brown's band. <laughs> That's what they say because because the bloke is is yeah. on stage great, but behind the scenes he's such a miserable guy yeah. that doesn't accept any mistakes whatsoever and you are as quick to get in James Brown's band as you are to leave it yeah. because there is there is no room for error and there is no pleasure there now the music James Brown makes is pretty good yeah so we you know perhaps Puel is is being judged for not putting on a good stage show but I'd say that the transition that Leicester were going through this year they have some amazing results that stand out they're eye-opening and some of the worst results they've had some of the poor results Watch the games. It's different to the highlights. They actually play well in them. Yeah. And I, I, we've almost not given him enough time to to show yeah. that. It's not fair. Well, nor did Southampton's. But I just think when it's two clubs, there's obviously something there. He's and a miserable, just, miserable bastard. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but we haven't really talked about Rodgers. But I, I mean, I, I'm just intrigued to see what happens. Because I don't think you can read too much into Celtic because it's Scotland's a monkey yeah. league. Um, you know, they've, yeah, he's won the treble, but what does that really mean? Mm. Um, so we've really got, you know, the season at Liverpool and what he did at Swansea. I've got a feeling that there will be no middle ground here. It will either be a success or it will be a disaster. Yeah, they're going to either go great guns just, or it's yeah. just going to go completely wrong Worse. and it'll be gone by Christmas next yeah. year. Mark my words, disaster. If Rodgers went to Bournemouth, went to Wolves, went to Palace, went to Brighton, success. Yeah. Going to Leicester, it's all wrong. Will he be here for the weekend game, do we think? No, I don't think it will happen. This We've got games tomorrow morning and Thursday morning. So, so yeah, maybe by the weekend. Um, we're running out of time, so a bit of a quick-fire Premier League roundup. Is there anything you guys really wanted to talk about? Yeah, um, Almiron for Newcastle. How good is he? Unbelievably good. <laughs> Missed a few chances, though. Oh, but his little thing that hit the post. Is yeah, that, that uh, and, and you are watching that move. I was like, hold on, is this Newcastle? Yeah. Have I, like, are they, have they stolen, like, someone stolen yeah. their shirts? I thought it, was back. It just was not Newcastle at all. And I watched that move a few times because the football leading up to it was great. He is super quick. <laughs> like, he is really, really fast. It was such a shame he didn't score because I thought that would have... He's still got man out of the match, performance. Though. Yeah, um, I, um, I agree with you. He looks good. Uh, second, Fat Jerry. Fat Jerry Hattrick. Fat Jerry get the hat-trick for Watford. Um, I don't know how Watford won that game 5-1. Well, I do know because Cardiff fell apart. Gave them the goals. Um, but yeah, they fell apart and just didn't defend. It was but... about, what, uh, 65 minutes it was one all or something? Yeah. And then, yeah. It, it all just bizarre. went wrong. But um, Cardiff should have had a penalty in the first half. And Agreed. it would have been back to one all, and it would have been a whole different game. But I think they just lost their heads. And Delefeo and Dini just ripped them apart. I just wonder what it would be like to be Delefeo. So I know we're doing a quick fire round, but yeah. you are... You've grown up in Barcelona's academy and you're obviously really good and you're being earmarked to be the Messi replacement. Like That's that's the reality yeah. of it. When he went to Barcelona B and he just destroyed Serie B, 
it was Serie B. Serie so what's it called? What's it called? The league, second league. That's no, league. Serie, yeah, you know, whatever. Spain's version, <laughs> Spania B. When he was, um, he was, he was unbelievable. Went back to Barcelona, so obviously went to Everton. Uh, had a really good start, went off the boil a little bit, but was good enough for them to go. Actually, we'll get him back to Barcelona. Loan to AC Milan. This kid's head is massive. No. Yeah, he finds himself in Watford. Yeah. <laughs> And he finds himself in Watford, you know, playing okay. And then suddenly he scores a hat-trick. And when you watch the hat-trick, the goals he scored during that game, they they remind you that this kid was going to be the next Bessie. It was being built up to be the next... So what must it be like to be him? I think this so, is his most consistent season he's had, though. In, yeah. Like, as a, as a body of work and a season as a whole, I think he's actually found some consistency this year. He's not been flitted in and out of games so much. Like, he's been a match winner for them a number of times, and I... Maybe he's found his place. He probably he probably needed to to let that stuff get out of his head. He's probably had his whole life thinking that that's him, and he probably needed to to have a bit of a that he's a rundown, um, yeah, exorcism of 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 the ghost that was his his future, and now he can start from scratch again with the obvious talent he's got. I do think Javi Gracia has done an amazing job at Watford. I do think they're a little underrated. The fact that they're seventh. And everyone says Wolves are brilliant and Bournemouth are brilliant and Leicester can be good. I'd like to um, just uh, point out to our listeners that in the 2018-2019 predictions, uh, John has Watford as relegation candidates. <laughs> <laughs> because at the start of the season, Javier Grasso was a mess. Um, I, I've just got a hunch that they, they are, they've just got to 40 points. This is where they drop off. This is it. it was, you hit the big four zero, and yeah, now they go on holiday. You know the the, the Bournemouth curse. Where you, you yeah. get you get to forty points and you lose your next eight games. Yeah. I, I think they're there, and I think they're there of that standard. I just think they've been playing really well at the moment, and they can win the FA Cup. They're still in the FA Cup. Um, Gracia has made people like Delafeo believe in the project and believe in what they're doing, and got them playing really well. And so. I think them and um, Wolves are front runners for the Everton Cup. I think they're a little bit better than the rest of that group. Picking teams in seventh and eighth, both on forty points, Rog. There, so it's uh, dynamic punditry. No, I just think that they're the the <laughs> they're the best of that group. Well, they are they they are in position, but I think in terms of the football that they're playing this year as a whole, I think that they are better than the other teams. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. Um, Rog, did you want to do a championship update? Uh, well, very quickly. Um, it was one of the games of the championship season at the weekend. Now, I'm not at all biased here, but it was Bristol City versus Norwich. Didn't you lose uh, for the first Gate. time in ages? Uh, we did. We lost 3-2. Um, and there were five good goals in this game. It was just a really good game, like end-to-end. Norwich essentially had a 15-minute spell where they were amazing and they yeah. won the game in that. But so many times this season, Norwich have come from... Uh, behind late in games to win and I've just I don't know whether I necessarily want Norwich to come up because I think they've got a lot of recent history in the Premier League but I I think that they are going to it's just been they've consistently won from losing positions they just seem to have got the bit between their teeth at the right time and I think they've got this young um, German manager who's also from another Dortmund Yeah, yeah Um, and I think they'll go and there's a guy who's smashing it for them called Timu Puki, yes, who's top goal scorer in the championship at the moment, twenty three goals scored this season. Um, he's Finnish. He's a good finisher. 
Well, he's a good finisher. It doesn't hasn't necessarily been. So I think he's been at Schalke. He played one season at Sevilla in Spain, and then he's oh, you mean he's from dis- Finland? Disappeared. He's from Finland. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Now <laughs> there hasn't been a Finnish player in the Premier League since uh, Yari Lipmanen. You see, Jaskolainen. Was the oh last. yeah, he was a West Ham and 2010-2011, so it's been a while. So Where was Yari Lipman from? He yeah, he's Finland, he, he so he's probably the best, the best Finnish player of all time, oh. I would say. And do you remember Chelsea had that? Um, it was next wonder kid, uh, Mikael Forsell. Oh, I remember. Oh, yeah. uh, and he was never actually very good. Ended up at Birmingham, yeah. but uh, he, I think he scored against him in Europe. And that was how Chelsea always used to sign players. Was like if they scored against us, yeah, in, he bleached his hair. Yeah, I remember that kid? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just uh, this guy is great in the championship, and I'm really interested to see how he'll go. He's 28, yeah, okay. and he's, so he's, he's not been a young a, guy. Or anything. He's not a young guy, and he's been a bit nomadic throughout his career. But then all of a sudden, this year in the championship, he has been brilliant. They signed him on a free. He's played at Celtic before. Yeah, okay. um, wasn't great. Left after a year. Um, but yeah, I, I disappeared down a bit of a rabbit hole of Finnish players that played in the Premier League. <laughs> but I think that. Norwich are looking the goods at the moment. Leeds and Sheffield United are keeping the pressure on. Yeah. But um, I reckon we're going to see them in the Premier League next So week. who's top of the league? Norwich. Norwich. And uh, Leeds are second? Leeds are second and Sheffield United are third. And yeah. it's all within four points. Wow. Okay. Um, and where are Villa? Because obviously Tammy Abraham's scoring, scoring for fun, isn't he? So yeah, he's 20 goals. So there's, there's, so there's a load of good strikers in the championship. So um, Tammy Abraham's on 20, so he's three off. Villa are actually struggling. They had a big loss at the weekend um, to the point where I think they might actually miss the playoffs. Yeah, they're ninth or 10th, I think, and struggling. There's a bit of a gap, yeah. Um, does anyone have any side stories before we go on to uh, the very exciting end feature? Only one. I'll go on. There were... Two moments this week in football that made me really happy. Yeah. Uh, was it the Man United nil nil with Liverpool? It wasn't. It was Jaden Sancho's volley. It's such a good for goal. Dortmund. If anyone's not watched it at home, just watch it. It's on the, the SBS World Game web uh, app. Just so good. The calmness, the way he makes it look so easy. You've got to first judge that the guy isn't going to head it. It just drops over his head. But then the technique, you know how he cuts across the ball yeah. and gets in the corner? That is so, so hard to do. And then oh, straight off a straight volley as yeah, well. and just made it look like he wasn't trying. Shinned it. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Messi's volley as well was also a little oh, bit yeah. special for Barcelona. Messi's whole hat-trick was ridiculous. Yeah. Like They wouldn't have been anywhere without Messi in Still that game. Still got it. He's yeah. quite good, isn't he? He's quite good at football. Jeff, you got any uh, side stories? No, I was going to bring up James Shancho because... They must love him over there. Like it's so good to see. We have spoken for the last twenty years about how we want to see English players go over and dominate other leagues in the same way that the other the other nationalities come and dominate the the English yeah. leagues. And and I just think it's so great to finally see it. And I never thought we'd like. I thought it might be a Beckham goes to Real Madrid or. Like someone who Harry Kane goes to Bayern Munich or whatever, and you see them do really well. But actually, as a 17, 18 year oh. old smashing up the league, and they're going to win the league, it's just ridiculous. I never thought it was going to happen. It's a big win for Dortmund because Bayern are sort of breathing down their neck. It would be so horrible playing in Germany because it's like Bayern are like this big bully in the playground, <laughs> and you think you've sort of found a spot to get away from them for a bit, and then they'll just they'll lurk and they'll appear behind you, and you know they'll win the league, is this, and is then this they'll sign all your best players. Something you want to talk about, Rog? No, no. 
No, they didn't hide many bullies when you were at school. No, I was a fat lad at school, so I didn't have uh, <laughs> too many bullied. troubles. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff, have you got a uh, song for us for end feature? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, do you want to do you want to judge this one? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me tune in. Was that okay? Perfect. It's <laughs> <laughs> yes, new, new one. That new one. Um, so last week's end feature, we all lost. Um, I bet on Newcastle to win, uh, which they always do against Huddersfield. Well, when Rafa decides they're going to win, and then Man City to win the League Cup, but in ninety minutes. So oh, John, so I'm close by basically a technicality, which is annoying. And then you guys both needed Wolves and Bournemouth to either have two and a half goals or Wolves to win. So both those teams let you down. Mm. So what have you guys got this week to uh I'm ready. It? I'm ready. So I think Manchester United are going to beat Crystal Palace. Yep. Now, my logic is pretty similar to the logic of last week. Yep. Manchester United are better than Crystal Palace. Good logic. Right. I think that Spurs will beat Chelsea. Yep. What's your logic? My logic is that Chelsea are an absolute disaster zone that <laughs> require UN aid. <laughs> yes. And Spurs, now that there is no pressure that they're going to win the Premier League, will play pretty well. Yep. That is paying $7.59. That's pretty good. Wow, that is a really good bet. Well, $7.59. And Rog, what have you gone for? Uh, I've got Man United to beat Crystal Palace. What's yeah. your logic there? <laughs> uh, and I've gone Leicester to beat Brighton. Oh, oh new, new manager bounce. Even no manager Even bounce. No manager bounce. Guys, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, shockingly, I've gone Leicester to That's beat. paying four seventy five by the way. I've gone Leicester to beat Brighton and Man United to beat Crystal Palace. No. Oh no, four seventy five. So exactly the same. Oh, that's boring. That is boring. But Man United are paying two dollars thirty to beat Crystal Palace, which seems way too much it's the injuries and Leicester and Palace winning 4-1 maybe and Leicester just got rid of the manager and all the players hated the manager they're gonna play and well and Brighton have been just uh, sort of struggling a bit lately Yeah. so hopefully this week we will all win winners it seems, seems like great bets um, has anyone got anything before we leave uh, no no thanks for listening everyone we will be back next week on, on a Wednesday. Oh, I just uh, so I'm so sorry to do this at the end. I really wanted to talk about Antonio's header for for West Ham. What about? It? What about? It? Well, it was just really good. I don't remember. Does anyone remember? Yeah, yeah I, like it, he arched his arched his neck like a velociraptor. He jumped. He jumped up at the back post. And, do you not remember? Yeah, it was like it's one of those ones where initially you're like well, the keeper should have saved that. And then you see it again. You're like, oh, actually, it's a really good header. It's amazing. Got, 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 gets it right in the and now it stands oh, up the cross, yeah, and the cross that, has yeah, no yeah. power on yeah. it. So he has to generate all the power himself, yeah. and he gets over he it. Goes, and gets it right in the cross. I just think it's so rare that you see that. Like, obviously, the majority of the time, it's the the cross generates the power, and you yeah. deflects it, in or, or however you look at it. But he he like it's like he's shot with his foot with his head. Yeah, it was he, a, it was a shot. He's good in the air, Antonio. He went through a stage and he scored like eight headers in a row or something. So. Well, you can see why he's very good at heading football. Yeah. Well, on that note, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail or as Chris did, you can send us messages on fo- on Facebook and Instagram. Ask us questions. Um, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe. Tell your mates, and we will be back next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye bye. See ya. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we just show it off.